these Old Testament readings are obviously culturally quite different to what we're used to, so we don't uh, anoint kings. There aren't prophets wandering around anointing people, telling them that they will be king eventually one day. So it is important that we understand the ideas behind this so that we know how they are relevant to us today. So we meditated on this particular reading uh, not so long ago. I'd say it must have been about two or three months ago. Um, Time kind of escapes me. But there are some very interesting points here. Okay. Hold that thought. I'm going to start somewhere else. Uh, Have you ever noticed in primary school how the kids who are difficult or challenging in primary school are the same ones who are somewhat difficult or challenging in secondary school? That the kids in primary school who are tidy and do their homework are the same kids who, generally speaking, in secondary school are tidy and do their homework and, generally speaking, are the ones who are tidy and do their homework in college and, generally speaking, go on to... You know, work in business and, and, and do their thing and do it well. Why, why is that? I think generally speaking, and of course there are exceptions, but generally speaking, those who can be trusted with little things can be trusted with medium things and can be trusted with large things. It's good that we, we learn how to, how to do that. You know, if, I can, if I'm consistent in doing my homework in primary school, generally speaking, I'll be consistent, consistent in doing my homework in secondary school. What happens, a lot of people, when they get to college and there isn't a teacher breathing down their necks making sure that they get their homework done, is an awful lot of college students fail because, well, there's no one forcing them to do it. Like, do you want to do this or don't you? If you want your degree, do your work. Oh, I'm not going to babysit you. And so a lot of students like, find that really difficult, find it difficult to have uh, all of that responsibility given back to them. Another thing, especially for Irish lads, when they go to university or college, is that they now have to either cook for themselves or clean for themselves. So it can just be easier. I remember there was a house, uh, some friends of mine, who rather than having to actually clean things up, they used to boast about how high the heap of takeaway containers was in their living room. So they had a mountain, a little mountain of takeaway. Imagine takeaway containers like from three months ago, from four months ago, from five months ago, like the, 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 all the, the levels and cultures of Ebola that one would find uh, on, on, on those kind of containers after six months. Are you kidding me? Because it's just easier. It's just easier to be a slob than actually you know, grow up, man up, clean up. Uh, so, so those who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with more, can be trusted with a lot. And the Lord often does that. He, he teaches us by degrees so that all of a sudden you don't go from being like a 15-year-old to being a bishop. You know, you're a 15-year-old, you become an 18-year-old, you become a seminarian priest, a, a parish priest, and then maybe bishop in time. Same with marriage. You become a, a teenager, you fall in love, and then now you have to be kind of responsible, uh, take care of the needs of the other person. What does it, my girlfriend or my boyfriend, what do they need? Um, how can I help them? How can I support them? Uh, how, can I, how can I serve them? That's also where chivalry comes into things. You know, just the most basic thing. I hold a door open for you because I want to show you a little reverence. One would hope then that that means that in a relationship I will also show you reverence uh, and try and take care of you. And then in marriage that I will do the same thing. I will show you reverence. I will, I will be reverent towards you as opposed to seeing you as my slave or just as a, 
source of intimacy uh, that, that I show you reverence. So it, we start with the small things and we build it up. This is, this is normal in secular life and it's actually the same in the spiritual life. The Lord starts trusting us with small things and then more and then more. But if we can't be trusted with the small things, we can't be trusted with the larger. So, back to our reading. Samuel anoints Saul king. And Saul makes a, a mess of it. He doesn't really trust God. He does like the honor of being king. But he doesn't, he listens to God through Samuel. So Samuel does, does speak to, to Saul and tells him what the will of God is. And Saul goes, okay, but then kind of does his own thing. But still wants, he still wants to be praised. He still wants the glory. He still wants the notoriety, the fame. He still wants to be seen as, as good and as powerful in the eyes of his people. But his decisions aren't always good. He's, he's, he's not obedient to God. And so God says to Saul, okay, anoint the future king, the next king. And so Saul then uh, goes to, to David's family. And it's just very interesting because everybody that Eliab, so uh, David's father, everyone that he presents, uh, or Jesse even, sorry, everyone that, that, that uh, Jesse presents, he presents his various sons. Samuel says, no, it's not him, it's not the next fella, and it's not the next fella. And they were all, you know, probably big, burly shepherd lads. Um, none of them were acceptable to God for the role of king. So David wasn't even considered. Then Samuel asks Jesse, is there anybody else? Um, oh yeah, David, my other son. Yeah, kind of forgot about him. He's out on the hills, though. Don't mind him. He's only small. Uh, and Jesse has him brought and Samuel sees him and then knows, is, is inspired by God to say, this is him. This is the future king. You can imagine the other brothers going, him? I mean, he likes music and dancing. And I don't. Okay, if the Lord says so. I mean, he, he was 15 years old as well. He was young. 15. And so the Lord anoints him through Samuel at that point to become king. Now, keep in mind, Saul is still alive and still is acting as king. So Saul is still acting king when David is anointed king. Okay, so this is, this is going to be a problem, and it, um, we, we, we'll see that in, in the, the next coming days. Saul is not happy to have uh, 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 another king anointed. Now, initially, it works in his favor, as in David king kills Goliath, so that's a, a, a great day for, for all of Israel. Israel is delighted. But then when Saul starts to hear... Um, the, the, the songs of the, the ladies especially, singing, you know, we have a mighty army, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands, right? So, Saul, you're good, but David's ten times better. Now, this starts to create a problem for Saul. Saul then wants David dead. But what's interesting is, David is anointed at 15 years of age. But he's not crowned king. He's not crowned king for another 15 years. So he's anointed king at 15, but he becomes king. He's crowned king at 30. So for 15 years between this anointing and the, the coronation, 
what's what is this time what is this this this, this time period is it just wasted is it just a period of waste of waiting of empty waiting just kind of sit there and wait for time to elapse and then okay let's be crowned no <clears throat> the time of, of of waiting between anointing and coronation those 15 years it's all preparation it's all useful if you can be trusted with a little you can be trusted with a lot conversely if you cannot be trusted with a little you cannot be trusted with a lot i remember uh, hearing stories of of people who play the lottery a lot you know so they they buy a lot of lottery lottery tickets when i was young a lottery ticket was 1 you 1 1 pound right what are they now 6 7 7 something or other it's like 7 quid for a lottery ticket and then people go in and say, I'll have 14, I'll have 15, give me 20 lottery tickets there. Are you kidding me? Like, that's an awful lot of money. Okay, so if that's what they do with their savings or with their pension, if they were to, make, to win a million euro, how long would it last them? I don't think it would last very long. If you cannot be trusted with a little money, if I give you a million euro, you will blow it. You will. You will. You'll waste it on stupid cars and stupid houses and then voila, you're in debt all over again just having had a million euro. So I think it's just very interesting. If we cannot be trusted with a little, we cannot be trusted with a lot. But this is, this is a good thing. It also means that the Lord is giving us time to grow. He's training us. He's training us. So while David was waiting, after the anointing, what was he doing? Well, he was, he was working. Doing what? Taking care of sheep. And he describes it himself that he would defend his sheep when Saul doubts his ability to take on Goliath. What does David say? He said, I, when I would tend sheep, I would stand there with my staff, and if some coyote or some wolf were to come, I would beat it with my stick. I would break its jaw. You know, I would kill it. I would fight to protect my sheep. I would risk my life for my sheep. And so that's what I will do with this Philistine. What is this Philistine? So his, his time as a shepherd is training. I'm learning to protect what has been uh, entrusted to my care. And then, as he's brought into Saul's court, he sees how, how the royal court works. He also plays his, his lyre and so on developing his musical ability, which again, you might think, well, what's the point of that for, uh, for a king? Well, it's a third of the Book of Psalms that we have today. The Book of Psalms that we contemplate so often, so often in the breviary. A third of them written by, by King David. So everything that that Saul was doing, everything that, Paul, uh, that, that David was doing, was preparation for his vocation as king and for, as I say, scripture two and a half thousand years later. So it, it, it all had a purpose, it all had a meaning. That time between anointing and coronation wasn't dead. It's all preparation, it's all training. Now, apply that to us. That means then that in the calling of the Lord is placed on my life now. I might think, well, I'd like to do more, or I'd like to help the Lord more, I'd like to serve the Lord more. Or my vocation at the moment is very hidden. Maybe I became a sister and I've ended up working in an office. 
you know, maybe I'm, I, I've been elected superior or I work in the administration or the accounts section of, of, of our community and it's not really what I wanted to do but if the Lord can trust you with a little, he can trust you with a lot. Think of Mother Teresa. She became a sister at 18. Uh, but then when she was 36, 36 or so 1946, and she was born in... in, in uh, 1910, when she was 36, that's when she gets the call within a call uh, on that famous train journey where she felt the need, the desire, the call of the Lord to found the missionaries of charity. But she was 36. That's 18 years after she became a sister. She has this call. So she's been I mean, 36. She's not old, but not exactly young. Uh, so... But, I mean, it's, it's just in order to start a whole new community and have the time and the energy to do all that. The Lord was training her. The Lord was preparing her in all those experiences beforehand. So nothing is wasted. So that means in your life, in your prayer life, when things are difficult and when you're struggling, this isn't wasted time. This is the time when we're learning to dig deep. This is the time when we're learning to count on the Lord. This is the time when if the Lord can trust me, if I get uh, a free day and I don't use any of it for prayer, it's a, it's a really bad sign. If I have a free day and I do not pray, well then if you get a free week, will you pray? Mm, you might go to Mass. Okay, so well, can the Lord then trust you with, with a lot of free time? If you have... If you have small needs if you will and you don't bring them to the Lord as your needs get bigger will you bring them to the Lord probably not so today the, 20, the next 24 hours these are 24 hours of training of preparation in your need do you go to the Lord in your joys do you thank the Lord with what I have been given today, do I do that well, as well as I can? The Lord wants to trust us with more because there's more to be done. Can he trust you? Can he trust you with what you have been given? If we learn to live drawing from the Lord at all times, then he can do, he can and will do great things through us. And it's not that we want to do great things, I want to have a plaque in my name somewhere, I couldn't care less. But plaques and statues, you'll be all you'll be dead and buried by the time all that happens anyway, so it makes no difference to you. But we do what we do for love of the Lord and for love of souls. The love of Christ urges us on. So Lord Jesus, show me today where you want to form my heart, where you want to to form me and lead me and heal me and teach me. And if that's in a very hidden way, if I'm already retired, if I'm on, on a, a hospital bed or if I'm confined to bed for whatever reason, Lord, show me in this scenario how I can serve you. Help me to pray. Teach me to pray for those who, who have the legs to walk and the voice to speak. Help me in my hiddenness to pray for them. Keep in mind that the hidden life of Nazareth our Lady conceived at 15, 16, 17 years of age. Jesus' ministry began at 30. So there's another 13 years of hiddenness there. Hiddenness is not wasted. Silence is not wasted. 
Let us use every moment we have for the greater glory of God. The Lord is forming you. The Lord trusts you. Whatever you've been given, use for him. And it will bear fruit. Thirtyfold, fiftyfold, or a hundredfold.